Ready Ricky Wildy here on behalf of all of Ontario Professional Wrestling, letting you know that we are running the Arthur Caulfield Memorial Show, where all proceeds go directly to Brennan Caulfield, also known as Holden Albright and the Caulfield family. This show will take place at 7 p.m. November 5th, 2020-22 at Battle Arts Academy, which is 4880 Tompkin Road in Mississauga, Ontario. This show promises to be family fun for all ages with raffle prizes, exciting matchups, including Impact Wrestling Superstar, the quintessential diva, Giselle Shaw, wrestling Alexia Nicole for the first time ever, as well as title bouts from promotions across Ontario and a notice qualification match between Rex Atkins and Easy e Eric Carney, where the loser will have their legs waxed live in the ring during intermission. All this and more at the Arthur Caulfield Memorial Show, November 5th at 7pm, Battle Arts Academy. Come out and support as all of Ontario wrestling comes together for what will no doubt be an unforgettable evening. From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to a book. Hey, do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's My name is Matthew Terry, and this is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I appreciate every single click that that play button gets. Today's episode, I guess the best thing I can say to describe today's episode is that it is crowded with good guys. Now, I don't mean good guys as opposed to bad guys in the same sense of faces opposed to heels. I mean, we have a lot of genuinely good guys on the show this week. Now, first, and maybe I'm being biased, but I'm a good guy. I believe I'm kind, caring, sympathetic, apathetic. Yes, that's a word. So I'm a good guy. You already heard from another good guy. Pretty Ricky Wildy in the opening commercial. You will hear from Pretty Ricky again in a few minutes. He stopped by to talk a little more extensively about the fundraising event that he is not only participating in, but is organizing and booking in support of Holden Albright. He who himself has been appraised many times by the wrestling sphere as a genuinely good guy. Now, not to mention Lenny Lilock, my guest this week, a guy that I have known for a long time, apparently more than I even realized, which becomes evident in the interview. Lenny, as I explained last week is a guy that I never really stopped and sincerely got to know. However, recently I had the chance and the good luck to get to know. And I walked away from that experience thinking that is a guy 
I want to get on the show. So I got him on the show. Why? Because Lenny Lilock is a really good guy, and I truly love getting good guys and girls onto this show. It makes things more enjoyable for me. It makes things more enjoyable for you. And with all that being said, I'm not going to waste any more time. First, you're going to hear a little bit more from Pretty Ricky Wildey, and then it will be time to fight with Lenny Lilock. Uh, Pretty Ricky, before we get uh, too far into this, oh, uh, kind of a question out of left field here. Um, have you seen the the trailer for the um, Weird Al Yankovic biopic? No, I haven't. Ah, crud. Is that the Daniel Radcliffe movie? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm pretty excited for this. I didn't yes. know the trailer was out. Uh, the trailer is out, and I'm not. I, I I I have to tell you, <laughs> I'm not lying. For a second, I looked at it. Like I, I didn't know what it was, but it was kind of playing over here. And I looked at it, and honest to God, dude, I, pretty Ricky's in a in a Reader L. Yankovic movie. <laughs> Come on, baby, I'll take that absolutely. Like then you kind of like look a little closer and like, okay, it's Daniel Radcliffe. But yeah, for honest to God, man, for a second I was just like, pretty Ricky Wildey's in a Reader L. Yankovic movie. It, Daniel it's Radcliffe's just, a good looking man. I'll take that. He is, but he. It, he could be your doppelganger. He could do the pretty Ricky Wildey biopic. But I mean, let's think big, you know, here. I, I Potentially, I could do the Daniel Radcliffe biopic, right? Potentially. You could do the Daniel Radcliffe biopic uh, when he's making the Weird Al Yankovic biopic. Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Um because and and you know it wasn't that far out of possibility because a lot of the Ontario guys have been doing that like you know uh, Dark Side of the Ring and stuff. Did did you get into any of that? Yeah, I was Rob Black. Uh, oh, were you? I don't know if you saw the XPW episode, but I was Rob Black, and let me just say, what a blast that time was! I had a great time doing that. <laughs> All right, before we get to the uh, to the headliner, uh, which is a fundraising event for a notable friend of you and I. Um, I want to talk to you in general about fundraising events. Because mm -hmm. I'm not blowing smoke. You are a... You're a sought-after commodity in wrestling. Oh, come on. And I'm not blowing smoke when I say I know that you're a nice guy and you're a charitable guy. And I know that firsthand. Uh, a year ago, you not only worked my wrestling with ALS show, but you pulled double duty. And of course that was greatly appreciated. I want to ask you about fundraising shows in general, because there are quite a bit of them. And what, what, what what's kind of like the criteria of what, because you can't do them all. So, you know, before we start talking about the one that uh, we're here to talk about, what, uh, what can you tell me about like, you know, being approached about like charitable shows and things like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, good question. It all kind of comes down to uh, personal scheduling, availability, and time. Um, like I, I don't want to put the cart before the horse here, but um, I've run into a situation where some of the people that are helping me uh, plan my fundraising events, some of the people that you might, uh, you know, you would think that are pretty close to Brennan are not going to be on the show, and that is entirely out of scheduling. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's not that they don't want to be there. It's just that there's a, there's a very large opportunity that they were 
already engaged to uh, before this uh, thing started uh, taking roots. Uh, so same idea, you know, um, for the most part, at least, you know, just speaking for myself, I can't speak for anyone. I like uh, I like getting into the ring. I like uh, grappling around and I certainly like it if there's an audience. Um, so, you know, it, you got to take all those factors into consideration. Uh, you know, how much damage am I going to do? Am I likely going to win the match? Uh, is there going to be a big audience? Uh, you know, one by one, like I'll, <clears throat> one of my first uh, one of my first shows ever was a PWA show. And I don't believe I got paid. Maybe I got 20 bucks, something like that. But um you know, it was in front of a thousand, two thousand people uh, at a Canada Day fair. You know what I mean? So uh, did I get paid? No. But also I was so green early on, just like terrible. Uh, but more importantly, I'm having the experience of now having a thousand to two thousand people staring at me for the first time. And that is valuable experience that you need to be able to move forward. So it's all, you know, the there's a tally sheet a mile long of pros and cons of why someone would do or not do uh, a show. But for, for the most part, I think people who do this like doing it. Um, if they wanted to make money, they'd get into real estate, but uh, they're in this because they like to wrestle around a little. And I'm sure, you know, when approached, obviously the cause is, uh, is also a factor. Oh, 100%. And we're talking about causes. As I said, a notable friend of you and I, Brendan yeah. Caulfield, and you know more affectionately known as holden albright i'm i'm gonna let you i'm I'm gonna let you drive this i'm gonna let you tell us what's coming up and what people can expect well i appreciate that and i I really do appreciate you giving your time your platform like this um but here's the whole idea so Brennan Caulfield, Holden Albright, good friend of the scene, very positive, uh, driving force behind the scene uh, for Ontario professional wrestling, has experience in personal tragedies and calamities uh, along the way. And so he has find him has found himself in a little bit of peril. But, uh, you know, to say that is not to say, like, he's got nothing to do with this. He, uh, he hasn't asked for this. This is all just something that the Ontario wrestling community has kind of come together and decided that, no, nah, this is, this is like the right thing to do. Uh, and what's crazy about it is the more that I ran into people, the more it was just like, this was on the tip of everyone's tongue. This was the idea. This was the thought, this was the plan. Um, and just kind of putting these wheels into action. So what we've come up with is November 5th, 2020-22 at Battle Arts Academy, 4880 Tompkin Road in Mississauga, Ontario. We will be holding the Arthur Caulfield Memorial Show. Arthur Caulfield was Brennan's dad, uh, who recently passed away. Uh, and we are doing this to raise funds, and all proceeds go entirely to Holden, Col- Holden Albright and the Caulfield family. Uh, so we are looking to have the biggest show possible. We got sponsors uh, from across the wrestling landscape handing in uh, different pieces of merchandise and memorabilia uh, to be auctioned or raffled off, my apologies, uh, during the show. As well, we got uh, a lineup, a litany of stars and talents who have uh, very graciously donated their time uh, and come forward wanting to do so, uh, as well as some wacky stipulations, if I do say so myself. Uh, that I'm rather excited for. It should be one heck of a night. Uh, so if you're at all interested in professional wrestling, the Ontario wrestling scene, Holden Albright, any and all of the above, please come on out to Battle Arts Academy on November 5th this year. It's going to be uh, quite an experience. As strange as it might sound, uh, I kind of equate this situation. Uh, I don't know if you're a Simpsons guy, but Simpsons uh, guy. you're a Simpsons guy. So there's an obscure character. I don't even know who it is. But his wife says, you know, Homer Simpson's on the phone like, ah, tell him I'm not here. Well, Ned Flanders is in trouble. And he pops up and he's like, Ned Flanders Ned is in trouble? Is in tr- <laughs> yeah. I, I equate that to this uh, to, to this because 
Holden is one of those guys. Yeah. Like a, another guy who was front and center at wrestling with ALS last year. And he's a guy who genuinely, you know, cares about not just wrestling, but the people that are involved with wrestling. Yeah. So you, you kind of alluded to it. Can you speak a little bit more about what Holden means to, to, to the wrestling scene? And I, I, I'm, I'm guessing the ease it has been to find people that are like, Ned Flanders is in trouble. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in, in terms of uh, people coming forward and trying to, to put together a card, the, the biggest problem that I've been running into, and I've, I've said this a couple times, but uh, Albright is not involved in this, so we haven't allowed him any power over the card, any of the booking. But I do believe... Uh, in, in the intention of all of us who are working to put this thing together, we all believe we are trying to create something that Albright is going to be proud of and, and would put his name on at the end of the day. I think the biggest criticism that he is going to have walking away from this is that there weren't enough students on this. And the reason there's not enough students on this show is because there were so many top tier talent names coming forward trying to get onto this show that there's simply not really room for all those students uh, in, in such a way. Um, the idea that, uh, you know, people have come forward and wanted to do this from the beginning. They were coming to uh, me as much as I was coming to them. Uh, every locker room I went into, it was the same conversation amongst everybody. That was uh, what everyone wanted to do. And the reason for that is the kind of guy that Holden Albright is. I have equated it to this situation where he's done countless things for helping young guys, helping anybody uh, within the scene, fans, wrestlers alike. But the one that stands out the most maybe for me is the idea of the holiday toy drive. And the holiday toy drive is something that he's been doing uh, for the past couple of years prior to the pandemic, where he would collect action figures at every wrestling show he went to, fill up his van as much as he could, and then drop them all off around Christmas Eve uh, for kids to have on Christmas Day, or maybe not Christmas Eve, whatever the deadline is, semantics. Uh, but, you know, the idea that like, oh, that's a nice thing to do. It's not a it's not a tremendously, uh, you know, obscene or obscure thing to do. A lot of people donate to charity. A lot of people uh, donate. But the idea that independent professional wrestling is the group that's creating this toy drive. You're like, this is a group of people that is seen as so seedy and greasy. It just like the type of people that you would expect to be trying to like rob kids around Christmas. You know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that's much more the reputation. Uh, but certainly here in Ontario, thanks to people like Holden Albright, uh, you know, he's been working to kind of change that perception uh, of all of us, of what this scene uh, involves is included, uh, is expected to be. Uh, and I don't know that that level of of positivity of joy of joy of warmth um just the idea that uh you know the locker room is a nice place to be it's uh it's very helpful when people are, are trying to progress everyone um and that, that's why it was so easy to to amass a, a long litany of stars that's why it was so easy for people just to come forward uh it was uh yeah quite simple right. to put that list all right. Before I let you go, give it one last big punch, date, time, location, and just give it to me one good time. First, I got to hit you with, with a couple of things we got going on here. Okay. We go got ahead. first time ever. This has never taken place. We have Impact Wrestling star 
The quintessential diva, Giselle Shaw, is going to be wrestling Alexia Nicole. This has never taken place. We are proud to present it for the first time ever at Battle Arts Academy uh, for this show, the Arthur Caulfield Memorial Show. As well, Matt, I, I think this is one that's going to tickle your fancy. I'm excited about this one. It's a no disqualification match. It's Rex Atkins. It's Easy E Eric Carney. The loser will have their legs waxed live in the ring during intermission. That, that does tickle me. <laughs> Here's the kicker. We're trying to raise money, so what better way to do it? You can donate money, and you can pull those wax strips off their legs yourself. You, ladies and gentlemen, can put the wax wherever you want, and you can pull it off yourself for a very small donation. We got all this and more taking place at the Arthur Caulfield Memorial Show. That's November 5th. Mississauga, Ontario, 7 p.m. All proceeds go to Holden Albright and the Caulfield family. Ladies and gentlemen, it will be an unforgettable evening. Fighters, before my interview with Lenny Finesse's Your Senses, I should point out that the finesse is slightly delayed. Uh, Lenny and I suffered some technical problems that are thankfully fixed in short order. I tell you this so that while you are listening to the first several minutes and hear the issues we have, uh, you don't stop the show because you just don't want to put up with that crap. I assure you, it does not last long. All right, Lenny, uh, before we get too far, before I hit record, you said that you broke your ankle. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, I broke it long a year and a half ago it just just never just never healed okay what's so the, what now the fuck I, happened? I, I i just i was at my friend's house and i slipped on a hill and i crushed it rolled it and, and landed on it took it back off I... so uh anyway it's the bone in the ankle is pulverized and the, the fibula on the outside is broken and didn't heal properly so i require surgery to fix it which i haven't done because one, it was COVID, and two, they, if they, they wanted to fuse it. And I'm like, that's, yeah, I don't know. If I, I'm not sure. Nobody can guarantee. No one will give you a guarantee of anything, whether, you know, what kind of light quality of life you'll have after it. Like, yeah, my foot fused to my leg. is like I'm not interested in a pirate gimmick. So, well, yeah. <laughs> like, but by fuse, does that mean, like, you wouldn't have movement of your ankle or? That's right, yeah. So they'd basically like eliminate your ankle. Oh my word! Well, they said they could do an ankle replacement, but I'm not old enough, right? So, well, how old are you? Almost fifty. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Yeah, yes, I am. I'm 49. I'll be 50 at the end of at the beginning of in January. You're fucking with me. <laughs> I'm not. Do you, do you need my license? No. <laughs> <laughs> I meet. I might if you keep this bullshit up. <laughs> no, I'm born in 1973. Fuck me! Like I, I thought I was older than you. So when you said like yeah. I'm not old enough, I'm like ah, you know, dude's like in his late 30s. Yeah, no, I'm really old. You're really old. <laughs> All right. Well, we got shit to talk about then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So well, then, what age do they expect you to be to get an ankle replacement? 65. 65 yeah happy I'm retirement like, here hobble yeah. around well, yeah because they don't think it'll last like i guess more than 
15 or 20 years, right? So you want to make sure you're not, that you're dead by that time. <laughs> well, the same thing kind of happened to me <laughs> when I was like 16. I wrestled on the high school team and I slipped yeah. a disc in my back and I hurt and I damaged a nerve. Now there's a surgery that they can do to replace yeah. it, but it's only got about a 10 year shelf life on it. And after that, they can't do the surgery again. So they suggested yeah. now they also gave me exercises to strengthen my back and I still have somewhat back problems, but it's uh, better. Um, but yeah, they said yeah. like, you know, wait till like later in your life, you know, let, uh, let it take it in for a landing. So am I still moving yeah. around to you? Cause that little thing just popped up here saying I was freezing. You, you froze for, you are occasionally freezing, but uh, you keep coming back. But I keep coming back. You're frozen right now. I'm frozen oh, right you're, now. No, you're, no, maybe it's just you pause. <laughs> oh. Right. Now I'm just going to do the whole interview, just, you know, wave and back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You said it's just audio anyway. So, yeah, I did. I did my hair for nothing. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. <laughs> what, what's the T-shirt you're wearing? Cobra Kai. Oh, oh, cool. Oh, you're a Cobra Kai guy. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. <laughs> All right, Lenny, let's get a let's get a bit of a, a baseline on you. Where uh, where were you born? Uh, Kitchener, Ontario. Kitchener, Ontario. All right, and uh, brothers, sisters? Five. Oh, four. Four. <laughs> and the neighbor kid. <laughs> I have two brothers and two sisters. And where are you in all this? Oldest. You're the oldest, which yeah. we've already determined you're old. So, <laughs> yeah, very old. Yeah. All right. Um, and what, what did mom and dad do when you were a kid? Uh, mom stayed home with all of us because she always had a baby. And then and when when we got uh, when we got older, she went she worked for the school board. She was a teacher's aide for like 20 or 30 years after that. So oh. and my dad's been a tile setter for all my life. Like now, ceramic. what's a tile setter? What is what is a tile? Because I'm assuming like, like, I have an I have a general idea. Yeah, like ceramic tile flooring. Oh, okay. You know, bathrooms. You know, like in your in your bathroom, the floor, the backsplashes. You know, that kind of stuff. Okay, so he I can taught picture... me how to do it. He taught me how to do it too. I was going to say I stand I... it, and he. <laughs> I was going to say I can picture a young Lenny Lilac going to work with Dad. Oh, Jesus. You're cutting out. Okay. Hold on one second. Don't go anywhere. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Let's try that. (laughs) Yeah. You look, yeah, you're, you look live to me now. Oh, I look better now? Yeah. You look live before you look like it was like, uh, uh, you know, like a recording. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Like it was kind of choppy, but it's fine now. (sighs) All right. So. Um, I just tore up my basement and I just, I made this little corner and I, I ha- I'm still testing things out. So I had to run and hardwire you to Steve, which is actually what my router is called. Oh, nice. That's, Hi, that's what my company, yeah, that's what my company calls it. It actually has yeah. Steve on it. And if you like, when I'm hooking it up to something, it says, would you like to connect to Steve? Yes. <laughs> All right, so born in Kitchener, we got uh, two brothers, two sisters, two older, or no, sorry, you're the oldest. I'm the oldest, yeah. Yes. Uh, brothers and sisters, are they wrestling fans? Uh, 
my brothers are my my sisters my one sister would be would come to a show but my other sister not interested in any way they're no. both my sisters are roller derby girls oh seriously yeah and my brothers both play have a band so we're all kind of artsy okay <laughs> yeah so roller derby has always fascinated me so yeah. like is she on like a team or is this like yeah they played thing? for the they played for the tri-city roller roller girls uh, on the venus fly tramps is the name of their team and do you go see them i have yeah but roller derby when i was a kid was much different than what the the sport they're presenting now but now how so well when we were when i was a kid roller derby was on during like after wrestling and it was like it was a work yeah (laughs) and like so and it was like you know, smash into each other, kill each other, and then do and then do an angle to bring me back to watch next week. But now it's like a competitive, like like they don't have the wooden track. They they skate on concrete and get killed, like because they're smashing in each other. It's more like uh, it's more uh, sports oriented than theatrical. Yeah, because I remember like on Spike TV, it would come on like right after. Yeah, right rock after and roller games. Yeah, yeah. I think it was after like wasn't it after ECW. It was for a while, yeah. But I mean, I've, I'm like I said, I've watched it for years. They used to be, it used to be on all the time. Yeah, back in the '80s, right before rock and roller games. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember back in the '80s too. But uh, I, I still can't fucking believe how much younger I am than you. <laughs> how old? How old are you? I'm 44. Oh, so not, not that, that not that yeah. much. Yeah. But you know, when I'm watching it at you know seven, you're watching it at 12, and that's two totally different things. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get to watch it when mom and dad aren't paying attention and they have people over and they forget to put Matt to bed. Yeah. Yeah. So Where I, I would, yeah, I'd be, I watched wrestling nonstop as much as it on. And we had, we're, we had, we're the one of first, as my friends would say, we proposed, we, we had cable before everyone else. So. Okay. So do you remember the, the, the discovery of wrestling? Yeah. The first, um, I got AWA. Um, uh, from like the Winnipeg air, like, you know, the uh, shows I, on global, I think. Okay. And uh, I remember Andre and I'm the Bobby Heenan family is what hooked me. Uh, Bobby Duncan Jr. Ken Patera and big John stud and Bobby Heenan, obviously. And then, then when they cut Andre's hair and that stuff, uh, that that's what I remember the most. And I also got stampede. Like, cause we had TSN and it was on there. Like it was one of the first shows on TSN. Okay. And I also had TBS. So I got to see 605 and like, I was spoiled compared to everybody else watching WWE job matches on superstars, which I also watched every week. Right. Yeah. I, I remember, I, I know it was over at a friend's house and his brothers were into wrestling. I don't know what channel it was, but like, I'm from the Ottawa area. And yeah. just across the river in the Hull or Gatineau area, uh, Gino Brito Sr. had yeah. International Wrestling, which was an AWA affiliate. Yeah. And I remember like Rick Martel, Stan Hansen, Abdul the Butcher, Gino Br- Brito Jr., yeah. Tom yeah. Zink. So that's what put and pulled me in. And then, but th- that was a lot more, I don't want to, I guess, more reality based. Um, yeah. I'll admit when I found, Hogan and WWF. It was like, oh my God, Hulk Hogan and everything. But it, even at that point, it was so much different. 
Yeah. See, I'd seen Hogan before in the AWA because he did the. I saw the feud with Bachwinkle, and then I'm like, it was, and he was super when he was super over there, and like I, it, everyone, we liked it. And then when he came to WWE, I hated Hogan. <laughs> I wanted him to lose every Saturday night's main event. I remember sitting downstairs with my brothers and going, "Come on, Sika, tonight's your night. Like you can beat him." Like uh, I got, you know, I don't know. I, I always, I guess I was. Underdog heels is what I cheered for. That, that was kid. my that was my brother because my brother wasn't a wrestling fan, but my brother's nine years older than me, but so he was kind of designated as the guy who took me to the wrestling shows when they came to Ottawa or Cornwall or that type of thing. And I remember every single match, he'd be like, "Matt, who's the bad guy?" And I just I distinctly remember one time it was Playboy Buddy Rose was the bad guy. And I said, you know, Buddy Rose is the bad guy. And the whole time he's just sitting there, buddy, buddy, buddy. (laughs) And before you knew it, like the whole crowd is just buddy, buddy. (laughs) And I remember he was against Jim Powers. And no one really cared about Jim Powers. So the fact that someone's chanting for Buddy Rose, is just like, yeah, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. And another thing I remember with the match was there was an older lady sitting behind us. And Jim Powers came bounding down the re- or the aisle way, and he jumps into the ring. And I remember this woman behind me going, "Wooey, look at that piece of meat!" <laughs> I wish those I wish those fans still came to the wrestling. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so okay, so you 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 discover so much at one time. Yeah. Who who were your guys? If you, if you were kind of, uh, you know, anti good guy or whatever, but well, who were your Piper, guys? Piper was my guy. I love Piper. And then Bobby Heenan, because yeah, anything he did, I was interested in watching. So those two. And then what happened was uh, there's a video store downtown Kitchener called uh, Bandito Video. And every week we had a VCR. So my parents would take us there and they would rent a movie and i would they had a wrestling section so mm-hmm. all that that uh awa stuff with martel there was there was tapes so mm-hmm. i every week i'd rent something and watch it repeatedly until we had to take it back on monday or whatever it was so i just in like i it's taken as much as possible so every, you know there's anytime there was a dirty heel i i i seemed to gravitate towards that but piper was the the one when i was the youngest i guess the the most influential i i gravitated to uh steve DeSalvo or steve strong yeah. and abdul the butcher just because you just look at them and you're just like well who the fuck's gonna beat these guys yeah and then it, i remember like martel was in a thing with steve strong and you know no one at all can hurt steve strong Oh. But Rick Martel, it just, it just it didn't really make sense to me. So I think I was more just kind of, you know, I was Steve more into Steve. That Str- big long leather shoulder glove, right? For a while. For a while, he did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he. I just how is Rick Martel like? I liked Rick Martel. Rick Martel was okay. I liked Rick Martel a lot better when he did a promo where he said like Steve Strong, you can't hurt me, and he takes a beer bottle and he smashes it over his head. And then he yeah. just starts gushing blood. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, 
like I, I don't know how old I am at the time, like let's say yeah. eight, nine years old, but I remember thinking along the lines of, oh, he's a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, yeah. yeah, like blood was pretty influential to all of us when we were kids. As soon as you saw it, you're like, yeah, this is real. Right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, it has to be. They're bleeding. Yeah. So that, that, yeah, that was, I don't know if that was one of my arguments, but of course, through school, I put up with it. Well, you know, it's fake, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And of course, but, like you're in the back of your head, you're kind of like, I know, but maybe it's not. <laughs> yeah. My, well, yeah, we wanted to not. We wanted to believe it was real, and anyone who would tell you is because they didn't like it, so they're just trying to cut you down. But my, I remember my grade seven or eight teacher told my mother at a like a parent teacher interview if that if if school was all about wrestling, I'd get I'd have perfect grades. But because all I ever thought I was all I ever wanted to talk about or do like I liked other sports. I paid, played baseball and hockey and stuff like that, but wrestling and bowling were my were my things oh i I, i'm right there with you every project every book report i remember i did a book report on pro wrestling illustrated and and it got disqualified or whatever it did it wasn't acceptable because it was a magazine (laughs) so it just but i remember i tried to do a book report on pro wrestling illustrated you should call that teacher off and go what the hell i should Actually, I think she's dead. Oh. <laughs> Actually, she should. Well, I shouldn't say she should be. <laughs> but like she was she was the older teacher then. Yeah. And that's oh, more than that's uh, 35 years ago. So, hey, uh, if she's still alive, good on her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pro yeah. Wrestling Illustrated is a book. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah. And like I, I, I had like I think I had like one friend who liked wrestling. But he never wanted to talk wrestling. Oh. I don't know why. Maybe I, like I, I, I didn't. Maybe him and I just weren't friends. Like you know, hung out or something. Yeah. But I remember, like I would say, like, "Hey, did you watch that?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." And a conversation. <laughs> oh no, I my my brother was is your age, so we we did it. We experienced it all together, really. So it, then then we did it. We anything to do with wrestling, and that's how I in ring now even now if i if i think it'll pop him in the crowd that's what i'll do right so so and you were talking about uh, video stores i i didn't know exactly how things worked so i remember like wrestlemania would happen and like every week thereafter i knew what day the new videos came out but every week i'd be like is wrestlemania here is wrestlemania here is wrestlemania here (laughs) And I, I would be like waiting for like, you know, a month or two for it to actually come in. Yeah. Either for that se- either that, or like my parents would agree to buy it for me. So then I'm like oh. checking the mail like every single day. Oh, wow. That's expensive. <laughs> Back then it was. And yeah. I remember it was the WrestleMania 4 double cassette. Yeah. That's, that's the first WrestleMania. No. Yeah. That was the first one I owned like new. I had yeah. WrestleMania 3 that I had gotten used. But WrestleMania four was the double one. And I remember I kept checking and checking and checking. And my mom loved to tell this story that I kept checking the mail, checking the mail, checking the mail. And I don't know how old am I? Uh, probably about 10, maybe 11. And I, there, a card comes in, the, in our mailbox. And I'm from a farm town. Okay. So this card comes in the mailbox. And I don't bother reading it. It's, it it might have said like, oh, you have a parcel. Or might have said, so, like, I didn't really pay attention. Yeah. It's not a video. I know that. Yeah. So 
my mom came home, found the mail, and she's just like, oh, your, your video's here. And I remember like, where is it? And she's like, well, this card, like it says you have a package. That's a postus. Oh, yeah. Office. And I'm just like, oh, look, like, because now it's like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah. I can't go it. to the I can't go to the post office. <laughs> no. Uh, so my mom used wrestled, to love to tell that story. WrestleMania one, I I rented on from Bandito Video for sure. WrestleMania two, I don't remember much where I saw it. Must have been the same scenario. WrestleMania three, I went to to the Kitchener Auditorium and watched it closed circuit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, sat in the crowd on a big screen. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And then after that, for for that, I think someone had had a set. One of my friends ended up getting one of those giant satellite dishes. So then, oh yeah. And then it was on all the time. Like we saw everything after that because it, it, when it got to like high school or whatever, then I had a couple of friends that were into wrestling. So like. We didn't talk about it at school because that's not cool. But like, right, you know, the girls don't want to hear about it unless they bring it up. And then, uh, the, but on the weekends, then we're in what's someone's basement, you know, playing video wrestling video games or or uh, watching pay per views for sure. Yeah. And sitting there and watching in the backyard is that big satellite dish just kind of goes. Yeah, uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, and heaven forbid you're running late and you like, you hit the coordinates and it's like, and just well, like move, move. <laughs> to ch- chase wrestling, to be a tape trader or to, to get satellite feeds or steel cable boxes or whatever was a thing. Like, oh, yeah. you had to, right? Oh, yeah. You had a friend that had the black box that had the discrambler. Yeah. yeah. You had to be, uh, um, nimble to see because you wanted to see everything. I, you didn't want to miss anything. Mm-hmm. And then you get the magazines and like, who the hell is this? And why? Why is like, what's going on in Portland? How do I see that? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and now you think about today, like you just you can find anything anywhere. Yeah, and now it's not. A, I don't. I don't watch nearly as much. I, I prefer to watch old stuff. Right? Well, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, when there was actually a chase to it, and there was actually a challenge to it. Yeah. Now you don't have to just you know type it on a keyboard and like, hey, you know, I have something from you know. <laughs> yeah. From Tijuana well, yeah. or whatever. And... During the during uh, co- like the lockdown or whatever, I I spent a lot of time watching Smoky Mountain wrestling because I'd never seen most of. I've heard I'd seen some of it, but I watched it episodically because it's awesome. And then I now I started watching Mid South because like 1984. Yeah, I I started watching the ECW episodic ones or the episodes yeah. and yeah. Uh, like it I, I was a huge ECW fan because I only watched the pay-per-views yeah. and I, I didn't only like I, I read the magazine and stuff but when yeah. you watch ECW episode by episode by episode by episode it is kind of repetitive because yeah. it, it's, it's all like you know shock and then the next week shock and then the next week shock and yeah just... and come to the arena right now like we you gotta because you're gonna miss it you know yeah. like you're gonna miss it you're gonna miss it yeah uh, so and and plus you know that i did know like all the major points yeah so everything else although you know it's kind of cool to see like people that were younger and shit yeah so when do you yourself when, when do you just dis- or how do you get involved in this in this circus in the wrestling? In the uh, wrestling, yeah. 
So there's there's a place called the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling in Cambridge. It's pretty infamous from a lot of people in this area. Well, why and, don't you explain why for people that <laughs> might be listening and go like, well, what's so infamous about it? Well, the it was it was started by a guy named Ike the Crippler Shaw and Smith Hart. Uh, so one of the Hart brothers and now a legitimate Hart brother, because there are, Hart bro- there are Hart people that, pre- that pretend to be Hart brothers or Hart cousins <laughs> yeah, or something. He's Smith a legitimate a, Hart. Smith was yeah. a legitimate Hart brother. So Ike, Ike the Crippler Shaw uh, was, I guess, a part of Calgary Stampede Wrestling in some form or fashion, depending on who you talk to. He drove, he did nothing. And <laughs> if you talk to him, he was the champion. So <laughs> he was just the biggest carny worker there ever was. And is to this day, he's still alive. And uh, anyway, they started a place in Cambridge called the Hart Brothers School of Wrestling, ICW Wrestling. And I'd, so I was working at a bar and uh, I saw an ad in the paper at, for it. I'm like, wrestling? What the hell is this? So I, I went down there and they showed, they showed, like someone showed me, I don't remember who, I think it was Terry, actually. There was a guy who lived there. His name was Terry. And I'm pretty sure Terry just showed me around. Nobody else was there. And then they were looking for someone to uh, sell advertising for their shows, like a, like program advertising. And I worked at nights at the bar. Right. So I'm like, well, I can do that. I, I've, I've got a, I've, I've, I've sold things before I had video games. I've, 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 I, when I was younger, I worked at a video game store and, and then uh, I'm like, I could do that. Uh, and I just, whatever they said. So when I got to meet them, whatever I said, they said, I just said, yes. Yeah. Right. And, and then they're like, okay, like they had nothing to lose. And because if I sold anything, they, they got the money. If I didn't, then what do they lose? They fired me. Or whatever, yeah. They're, right? they're no, they're no further behind. They haven't, they're not paying you to do this. Yeah. No, exactly. So I, started hanging out there in the daytime and I just the best, as I've told a lot of people in wrestling, the best ability in wrestling is availability. Yes. And I was there all the time and I was on the phone and I made, I actually made sales cause it wasn't that hard back then to call up a pizza place and say, Hey, we're having a wrestling show. This is this, this, we got King Kong Bundy, Bushwhacker Luke, and people knew who those people were. So they're like, yeah, we'll sponsor that, whatever. So I was pretty good at it. And then I just was always there. And then at nighttime, the training went on and I was there. I would go to the bar. I would stay for a little bit. And then I'd go to the, I go to work. Yeah. And then it, so I lived there in the daytime and hung out with Waldo von Eric pretty much. Cause he was, he was a part of it. And uh, every day, like, and then he would, then for a long time, I was like, Waldo's like, can you drive me? Like they had a, this big yellow Cadillac that sat out back of the school. And he's like, can you drive me? We, we drove around to like, he was trying to sell this inversion chair that he invented and <laughs> and we'd go to chiropractors all the t- like different doctors and chiropractors and he would pitch this chair. i would wait in the car i was just his driver yeah and uh then we'd go to the next one or wherever he needed to go i went so i just i just i just gravitated to him and he talked about the wrestling business to me and that's how I learned about like the, in, the inside of, of it, because it was still closed at that time. Like I didn't tell anybody anything. Well, right? what year are we talking here? 96, 97, right? 96, so, 97. Yeah. Okay. They weren't letting anybody in. Like they, they were still, these guys were old school and they were really acting like it was still a secret. Right. 
but like the, he didn't talk about the in-ring stuff because he didn't give it, he didn't care at all but like yeah. the biz the business end of it and that's what i was mostly interested in. and i had no no ambitions of being a wrestler it just yeah. it was just i wanted to be around it the, in the business it was awesome and like this, this even now talking about it, the smile on my face is huge right yeah. so uh, uh so i just started I started being around it and then we started booking tours and we started going up North and running shows. We ran like three famous big shows at the time. Indie wrestling wasn't very popular. It wasn't, it didn't exist because it was still licensed. Yeah. You had to, you had to deal with Ken Hayashi in Toronto and pay him a percentage of the gate and all your wrestlers had to be licensed and you had to have your little license card. And if you didn't have it, he could shut you down. So every card said the, that we put on had the same eight wrestlers on it, even if they were on it or not, because it didn't matter. Like <laughs> as long as it said like Terry Matthews, he's got a license. So he's on the card. Was he here? Oh, I haven't seen him. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I saw him lacing up his boots. He's, he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was just a, it was just a cash grab and for the government for that uh, branch of the government because they yeah. didn't really they didn't police it in any way. But there wasn't a lot of wrestling shows going on. So by comparison, you know, if it came to, around there, everyone, all your people in your town would go because there was nothing. Hey, wrestling! I remember that. Right? It was kind of a dead era. Right? Yeah. And uh, then uh, did tours, and I just got. I, you know, m- money stopped coming and people started talking and it just fell out of favor with going there. And then, and then as soon as you're not one of them, they turn on you just like <laughs> in a lot of uh, situations. Cause they can't, you can't, you're not useful to them anymore. So, cause you're, you've, I was, you know, you get smartened up to the lies and then you're like, ah, I'm going to go do something else, you know? And then I, I abandoned ship and, uh, he uh, being owed like wage and that. So I'm like, well, I'll just go back to the bar. And then uh, I just did nothing with wrestling for years. And then I met in like 2008 or nine, I met Eddie Osborne and Jeff Black and those guys. And I've been doing that ever since. Now to kind of go back, you were talking about the tours. What, What kind of tours are we talking here? So we book, uh, we'd sell a show as far north as possible to, to someone. And then you, we would do, we would book towns in the middle. Okay. So, so like we did, uh, Moose Factory, Moosonee, Cocker and Timmins, Owen Sound, North Bay, like you just work your way up and down the, the map. Yeah. And because we were, uh, the only thing going on at the time I had, we had access to WWF developmental because Waller had just gone out of business USWA and Carl DeMarco got, I, we called him and said, we have a place that they can train and we're doing this tour. And we, so they allow, they gave us talent to take on the tour. So edge and Christian will say, and, um, uh, um, Glenn Kalka and, uh, Ackham Albright, those kind of guys were all on this tour and I was the ring announcer. And you were the ring announcer. Yeah. Okay. So you're, uh, you're, you're getting to see these people, you know, kind of in their developmental, obviously. 
Uh, so it must be cool seeing like these guys like, yeah, you know, oh, me and Edge, we go like way back. Yeah, my kids make fun of me because there's an interview on, I don't know, I think Harry D had it. And it's me interviewing Edge and he's like my good friend Leon. And now my kids, every time they see Edge go, hey, it's your good friend Edge. Like, <laughs> uh, he didn't like me. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't like you. Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Just we, I got along with Jay uh, Christian much better than him. It was just not. Just, just sometimes a, you don't click with people. Yeah, sure. You're not going to like everybody you've ever met, right? And they're not going to like you. It's just the way. So, it is. so these tours, um, like as you said, you're kind of heading up north, and you're you know you're finding all these. Are yeah. is is this like you know sleeping in cars, or are we? You know, some nights we had little ho- crappy hotels, but we had a bus, right? So the bus was converted into sleeping arrange- con- conditions. Oh, so okay. it, had, it had like eight or 10 bunk beds. They took out all the seats and then they had bunk beds in it so people could sleep on the bus. Sounds like one of those buses at a mash where they put all like the. Yeah. It was- <laughs> I, there's no safety. <laughs> there's no way this passed safety protocol or, you know. And just some of the, you know, this, I remember, so one night, uh, I forget, we were, it was a blizzard, wherever we were going, somewhere between Timmins and Sudbury, and uh, we had done a show, and nobody, nobody was in condition except for me, because I was uh, to drive, and I'm like, I've never driven a bus, and we're pulling a trailer, and it's a blizzard. And I don't have a license to drive a bus, but guess who the bus driver was? That was me. Get up there, kid. You can drive. <laughs> right. So I'm people, guys are sleeping in the back and me, I'm driving a bus and Bill Scullion is sitting uh, like shotgun with Frenchie Lamont. That's the story. And it's a blizzard and I can't, and there's like transport trucks coming at me. <laughs> <laughs> Scary, but. I bet, story. especially <laughs> with Bill Scullion. Yeah. Just because I can oh. picture Bill, like I, Bill and I get along just fine, but I could just picture yeah. Bill just like, ah, you know, keep going. Fuck it. Fuck it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're you're yeah. fine. <laughs> I like, I like Bill. He's a great guy. <laughs> so you got any other stories about these tours? Any interesting? Uh, I got one of the times we were in Moose Factory and uh, the, the, we were staying at this bunkhouse. It was like for hunting. It was like a hunt camp place where everyone was staying. And okay. it, was, it was beside the arena. And uh, so we were doing something in the daytime. Like, I don't know. And, and then we came back We came back, and then we had to get ready. And we had to be like call time for the show, six o'clock or whatever it was. So we had to like, I had to rush back, get, get my suit or whatever it was, and then go. And when I came back, I'm like, where's all my stuff? And like, uh, like, like I had a, I don't like a CD Walkman and like, like, like a bag of like things that I brought with me, like, like a carry on bag and it it, had been rifled through and all my shit was gone. And then other guys are like, yeah, my stuff's gone too. Like, where is all this stuff? Like, so all my CDs are gone. My Walkman's gone. Like all all the things you take that aren't your clothes on tour were gone. And I'm like, oh my God. So we went back to the show. And like we got, I got to get back as the show and I'm, I'm angry now. And I'm like, I don't know who to tell that we just been robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I go back to the show and it's, it's intermission. And uh, there's, so at the ringside table, there's these two kids, I'd say they're like eight, 10 years old. 
and one of them sitting there and I had a lighter. It was a Benson and Hedges flat lighter, like a credit card. Yeah. And like, it's pretty like unique, distinctive, like, pretty like, distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. And this kid is sitting at the table flicking that lighter. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I just looked at him. I got out of the ring. I went down. I looked at him. He's flicking it. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you want to meet the wrestlers? And he's like, oh, big eyes. He's like, yeah. I'm like, come with me. Let's go backstage. Let's meet him. And so I, t- I took him and his little buddy with me and backstage. And as soon as we got back there, I, I, I grabbed him and said, where'd you get that lighter? It's mine. And he started crying, of course. And then he's like, oh, and his little brother, friend my... just like scurries away. Yeah, like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, so the kid gave up his brother and we, the, so then the, the chief and the police came and they, they, uh, he, the kid gave him, gave up everybody and we got all our stuff back. <laughs> the life of independent wrestling. Yeah. So, I want to ask about Smith Hart because I, I I met the man once, and it was a decent enough experience. It wasn't like we sat down and really you know bonded, but I've I've heard mixed. You you mentioned Waldo von Erich and you you mentioned Ike. I I've heard mixed reviews, if you will, about Smith Hart. Like that he's a good guy, a misunderstood guy, that he was a carny, that he was, what is yeah, your impression I, of Smith Hart? I mean, at the, I, when he, when the, at the school, I only met him one time. He was there for a week oh, and okay. then, then he was gone. And then, cause it was like, it, like everything else, it was, was the heart thing was a work, right? Like it was like, uh, and so at that time he was, um, it pretty, it pretty, uh, interested in wrestling like but he also had a like his focus moved from that quickly to his family anyway uh interesting story he he asked me one day to uh he was trying to get custody of one of his kids uh like through a like a marriage or whatever i don't know the details but anyways he's asked me if i could he needed some kind of letter about the school like a recommendation letter you know this is what i'm doing i need to prove that this is what i'm doing so I, I like one afternoon he's like can you write this letter for me i'm like yeah and so i i was writing it up on the on the computer there and then i printed it off and years later it turned out he was trying to get custody of mike hart and that's and like so like everything came full circle and, and like i had a long tenure with mike hart as like an opponent and all this stuff and then we used smith in a couple of angles and it, it was really good but it was just like what are the odds of that <laughs> well how did you, how did this come how did you realize that uh, wait you're you're the one that i tried to <laughs> <laughs> yeah no so later on when i got to know mike years later yeah. it was like he's like i'm like I put it together like, wait a minute. He was trying to get custody of a kid and that kid was you. And he's like, yeah, it was, but I don't know. I I don't know too much about their family dynamic, but I I just found that really odd. And then Mike and I had a long feud in PWA. So it was, it was, it was good, but Smith, I mean, as, as time went on, he was just, just ramble. I didn't, I didn't really have a relationship with him at all. It was just more like, I, he didn't bother me, but you know, if he if he if he got caught in a conversation with him, he might be there a long time. <laughs> right. Now I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking how like night and day 
the differences are. You talked about Smith Hart, you talked about Ike, you talked about Waldo Von Eric. And then you mentioned two guys, Eddie Osborne and Jeff Black, who I know you're quite close with, you know, two very upstanding guys for the most part. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, like two guys that I would greatly trust immensely. Yeah. So, like, that's night and day, your two experiences. Yeah. How do you meet Eddie and Jeff? Uh, we had a so my brother had been going to their to PWA shows at Elements, and he said I I don't know what I was doing in my life, children or jobs or whatever, and he's like you should come, you should come. There's this guy, this guy we make fun of every 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 show. It's like his name's Jeff Black. It's just hilarious. He's the worst. Like he's the worst wrestler I've ever seen. And I'm like oh yeah. And he goes and he gets we we get so on him. It's like it's so fun. I'm like oh okay. And then I, I never ended up going to a show, but uh, a mutual friend of ours became their ring announcer. His name was Matt Lees. Okay. And uh, he was the ring announcer. And I knew him through other friends and, and whatever. And he's like, yeah, man, you should, this PWA stuff, you should come. So the, the one day I came down there and because uh, Scullion was on the show, actually. So I, I said hi to him and hung out with him for a bit. And then I watched their show and it was, it was a lot different from the kind of wrestling that I, that I had, that was going on. It was much more ECW style than, than uh, anything I ever was involved with, uh, which was cool. I watched it and then I, I met them, whatever, but we started doing the Matt started hanging. It was working for me. At, I owned a toy store at the time. And so they just started hanging out at my toy store, like, cause they, I'd put up posters, I'd sell tickets for them. So I just started became involved and then they did shows and I would like, I got a table and I started selling action, action figures and stuff at their show. And then it was like, they, they found out the backstory of me being in the wrestling. And then I was just, it just clicked. And like, I don't know. I started going to their shows and then I had to, I sold merch and then it was like, want to be a manager? I know that once they found out I had been in, in the wrestling before, then they're like, you want to be manager? And like, yeah, I gravitated towards that. And I thought, and I loved it. It was like, it, what made me get up in the morning for a long time was like, I gotta get, I gotta figure out how to be this fucking jerk, you know? <laughs> so, and uh, I was good at it. And then I just, I mean, years and years passed. And then it was eventually went from managing to like, you got to get your ass kicked and like, cool, I'll get in the ring. And then it's just, I can't, once I got in the ring, I can't seem to get out of it, but not that I want to, it's just different. Right. So who do we start managing? Uh, whoever I would take like Ryan Ruckus, uh, Derek Platinum, um, whoever I just take the un- underneath manager. Right. Yeah. It, the and lose get uh, you know look act a fool uh, dress like I have no shame obviously you've seen some of my outfits and uh, so just get get a reaction and get back there right? right let's let's get a bigger reaction and then Joey Allen a lot when he was becoming the he was the champion of there so then then it just moved I don't know I probably managed everybody at some point <laughs> right. So, and as you said, at some point they said, okay, you got to get your ass kicked. So yeah. is this, is this where you start training or I never, tra- I never trained? You never trained? No. 
as Jeff Black would say, I, I became a wrestler through osmosis. I, I was just going to say you kind of absorbed it. I've seen, I've seen it all. I, yeah. It was the same with like things that I was other sports. I was good at when I was a kid, I played inter-county baseball. So like junior Dodgers, which is one below the kitchen, like the pro one below yeah. pro. And it was baseball sports to me is very um, visual. So whatever, whatever, I just watched the best people and I would just try and emulate them to the best of my ability and then add in whatever I could. Like I was a good, I was a really good hitter and I was good at the, I, I, I like baseball, everything bowling the same. Like I just watched like the best players and well, they're the best. I'm going to do what they're doing. So, and then, I worked at a, when I was 16, I worked at the, the local bowling alley and I bowled every day of the week, right. Until I was good at it. And then I got, you know, I was in a, then I went on to do something else. Right. Just, just the type of personality I, I guess I have. So I like to, I watch whatever it is, is I'm into, I'll watch it to death until I can do it. And that was the same with wrestling. It wasn't, nobody taught me how to do anything. I just was smosis. <laughs> Well, it wasn't that long ago that you and I, like, obviously you and I have crossed paths numerous times. Yeah. But I honestly don't think I ever saw you manage. And yeah. I certainly didn't see you wrestle until just recently. You and I were in Simcoe. Yeah. And I walked up to you after the show and I said, dude, where the fuck have you been? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I like. And, and you're very much a, um, a charismatic worker. Yeah, but an amazing and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass like an amazing yeah. charismatic worker like in the palm of your hand in like a minute type of charisma. Yeah. Is and, and you said like, you know, you watch the best and you emulated the best. Who are you emulating? Like who, who taught you this by osmosis? Well, I mean, I guess uh, most of the time, like I said, I would look I would like because I watched so much wrestling, I would just take a piece here and there. Like Bobby Heenan, like the, just the way the, the, the sudden movement over his shoulder, looking at his, like someone says something, pay attention to it and then go back at it and have something to say. You have to be, be quick witted is probably my, my uh, best trait. Like I'm listening to like, I, I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm not thinking what's next. I'm, I'm feeling what's next. Right. And if there's nothing I have to, then I have to go into what well okay what what do i know works like call a timeout or you know yeah. you like get a reaction like if no one's doing anything if they're doing something like if, if a kid's like screaming at me like nothing over here nothing over here like the wrestling match it doesn't matter i gotta go right to that kid right and get the because then everybody's interested right so uh i like the focus but like i said whatever uh i, I not only did you as children we we played wrestling and acted wrestling and copied it whatever i i was like that's the way i thought you know like so like it was like i was always trying my brothers and sisters will tell you that i like at game i have this giant competitive vibe like i have to win at everything but if i lose i'll make a big scene so that you feel like you know like because just like wrestling like uh, and they'll say I'm a cheat. Even if I win, I like legitimately they'll say I cheated. Like nobody. So it's just personality who I've been most of my life. The hardest part of wrestling for me has been a being being a baby face, right? Because it's like it's not natural. Yeah. 
but the crowd made me a baby face not the not the not the willing like i didn't change anything just yeah. they started cheering so well it's one of those phenomenon that just you know the the you cheer the heel because you just they're just so damn entertaining that you can't the the person you love to hate yeah so mm. i don't know if i answered your question but I forget oh no you did <laughs> yeah you did. well it was like who are you emulating because oh yeah it's well a you, little you, bit you of anybody to, you seem to yeah. kind of, I, I don't want to say you do the minimum as yeah. far as physicality, but it is very much like, you know how to, when you get yeah. punched to make everybody going like, yeah, fucking a, he got punched. <laughs> yeah. Cause it mattered. Right. Like I, 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 I think people, it's a lot the art of it is, is lost on a lot of people. They think that they have to do this giant sequence of it's just a, it's just a dance between you and the audience, not between you and your opponent. Yeah. Right. So if they want me to get punched when I do get punched, it means something or a lot more than if it, if we did, we stood there and punched each other 10 times and nobody cared. Right. So. Well, yeah. And the match I saw you with, I, I, his name escapes me. These, these, uh, uh, like a big, like huge fucking hands. Oh, uh, uh, Ethan Strong. Thank you. Yeah. Um, like you, you were kind of like guiding him through it as yeah. just kind of like, you know, like do this, do this. Like we're going to get a reaction with this. Yeah. And you, you did that kind of flawlessly too. Like you're in the ring and you're kind of trying to, you know, trying to send messages um, however you could. Yeah. Um, how confident are you in kind of guiding people like that? Uh, very. Like, very? I, yeah. I like I can, uh, calling a match is 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 not uh, as long as it's what I want. Like it, it's different. Like like if I like I wrestled Eric recently and and he called the whole match and I just so and I don't I wouldn't say that it's it's my it's not the best work because I can't keep up to his style right so yeah and like I we get reaction stuff but it's not the same kind of thing if I'd rather work with someone that was younger that was giving like you know like want to work this style because i can get them over all right and then i don't like you saw I, I, winning or losing doesn't mean anything to me like uh, nothing yeah right <laughs> so it's just, it's just being in there yeah so uh it's fun for me to work with the like ethan that guy was that kid's huge right like, oh yeah just giant oh and when i shook be, his hand he's gonna get bigger i think oh. so when I shook his hand and it's oh my god, like dude, your hands are fucking huge. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it but scared for, me. And I'm a bigger so, guy too. Like, I got bigger hands. Yeah. So, but visually, that's an entertaining match to me because it's like he's a big, in shape young guy, and I'm an old, fat kind of you know, like people like it's a it's a contrast of style right away. So then you've got something to work with, right? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it was fun. I like that kid. So uh, I still can't get over this fucking thing that you're almost 50. So how <laughs> old were you when you first wrestled? Uh, late thirties, I think late thirties. Yeah. So I didn't even realize you've been wrestling that long again. Where the fuck have you been, dude? Yeah. Well, I mostly <laughs> work for PWA. So or three, six, five. So we don't, well, you don't, you don't come up here that much. Right. So well, I no. work, I wrestled every month for the last 12 years. I know. And <laughs> fuck me, like, and everybody yeah. kept saying like, cause different people were like, Hey, we're heading up to PWA. You want to come? And it wasn't that it's just like, ah, fuck, I don't want to go there it's too far. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. It was just, 
you know, especially with my ring announcing, I, I was going all over yeah. Ontario, but I didn't really have an open opportunity. Now there was a few times. Um, oh my God. Now his name escapes me. Um, PWA, their regular ring announcer, you know, couldn't, couldn't come. Yeah. So he got a hold of me like a week before and asked if I could come ring yeah. announce. I said, sure. Um, but then something happened to me personally and I couldn't go. So I was like this close to going to oh, PWA. Yeah. Um, oh man, I can't remember his name. He's like an Ontario staple, but I don't think he's around anymore. Uh, yeah. Gentleman, Jeff. No. Uh, well, that, that was, right? I think that was the ring announcer. Yeah. Uh, but it was who the wrestler was, who would have been helping book that type of thing. Cause there was Eddie, uh, there was Jeff, there was, uh, me and Eric, that, those four. If you ask one of us who's the booker, we'll tell you one of the other ones. Oh, maybe maybe it wasn't specifically. <laughs> it must have been Eddie. Must have been Eddie. No, no it wasn't Eddie. It no. wasn't Eddie. It was uh, for some reason I want to say Claudio, but that's not. It's not Claudio. It's um. Oh. Well, he. I mean, all those. Everyone's coming and out of there, right? It's like yeah. everybody's worked for PWA at some point. Oh yeah, and yeah. I even worked for PWA once. I worked yeah. for PWA when they came to Niagara Falls. Yeah. Um. That's gonna so, bug me now. I'm gonna I'm yeah, gonna send you a message at like three o'clock in the fucking morning saying <laughs> it was this guy. Yeah. So uh, early in managing, I I I got I did a lot of Niagara Falls for Reese. Did, were you on those shows? For the busted knuckle. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was the ring I, announcer. Yeah. So you did see me. It just not noticed me because <laughs> I was worked Gangrel, Carlito, all those like managers. Well, no, you were managing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You were managing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you and I did the the Santa Claus thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, wait a minute, you seen me? <laughs> oh fuck me, that's right. You were managing yeah. Eric. Yeah. And you and I did the Santa but Claus I, thing. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, God, do you I'm... have concussions? <laughs> I do actually. Yeah. I have I have a few concussions. <laughs> I think they're starting, and I honestly think they're starting to catch up to me. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's right. God, yeah. I'm dumb now, and that just put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> um, that's still bugging me. Who the hell that was? That uh... fuck me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're we're approaching fifty. Um, okay. As I said, your uh, your style is is not overly physical let's say so how many more years you think you got to do this well as long as i can stand get with it depends on this ankle i have an i was just gonna injury. say as long as your ankle an, hold on to you yeah as long as it goes because it's honestly the only time the best pain medicine is adrenaline when that yeah. music hits and i out there that's the only time nothing hurts right mm. so i i, I you know, all my a lot of our friends and stuff. They say they're going to retire. They're like, oh, they retire from what? We're never. I'm never retiring. I'll do something. Yeah. It, yeah. I really like promoting more, like being the promote, like the booker and stuff like that, even more than being in the ring. But like, whatever. I like. I just want. I, I'm. I'm around it. I'll be around it. I'm never leaving. <laughs> all right. Well, Lenny, thank you so much for your time. We're we're getting on an hour here. Um, but thanks a lot. You, uh, we had to kind of cancel last week, so I appreciate you making time for me. No problem. Um, I am going to get a hold of you at like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to say like it was, 
it was that are, are you are you like a midnight guy or like are you up during the night or something oh yeah i'm always up are you and if i'm not i will i'll answer if i'm up if i'm not if, sometimes my phone will say i'm, I'm active apparently because people message me but i just won't answer because i'm asleep <laughs> but it might be beside me listening to a podcast or something you know so <laughs> because when i sent you a message this morning to say like hey we still good it said like this was seven o'clock in the morning and it said that you were active five hours ago. I'm like, well, the dude's up at two o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was asleep between probably four and ten. Right. So. So. All right, Lenny, thanks a lot for your time. You and I are going to have to do this again sometime. Anytime, brother. All right. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you, Lenny Lilac. Next week. Gavin Quinn is on the show. If you don't know who Gavin Quinn is, that's okay. It's not the first time he has been presented with that reaction, which is something we discuss. If you do know Gavin Quinn and know some of the things he has been enduring the past several years, you will want to listen because we discuss that as well. Folks, if you want to support this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter, at Time to Fight Pod. You can follow me, the host, at Announcer Terry. I'm a ring announcer. I'm a damn good one. And by all means, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about this show, then please email us at timetofightpod at gmail.com. Timetofightpod at gmail.com. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening this week. And as always, Isaac, I love you, buddy. <laughs>